The Edge is copyright 2006 by Scott Wittenberg. To learn more about this and other novels by the author, please visit scottwittenberg.com. And be sure to check out The Mayday Murders, another free podcast currently available by Scott Wittenberg. Chapter 8 Adam loved driving. Back in Ohio, he would drive practically everywhere he went, even if he was only going a few blocks or so from his apartment. In Ohio, as in most of the Midwest, a car was an essential, as important as a place to live was. He noted the contrast from New York City, where a car was practically thought of as a luxury item in terms of transportation, for the majority of its residents relied on mass transportation to get to where they were going. For the small percentage of those who owned cars and lived in the city, a car was thought of as a nuisance, but nice to have whenever a situation arose that required the use of one. Adam had been quick to learn just how much of a nuisance his little Toyota Celica could be. He had decided to keep his car when he had first moved into the city, and eventually became familiar with the alternate side of the street parking laws. He had almost gotten finding a safe parking place on any given night down to a fine art, but there were some nights when he simply couldn't find an available parking place. It was on those nights that he would be forced to park a little too close to a fire hydrant, or slightly block a crosswalk. The traffic cops, in their uncanny ability to serve their great city, never failed to spot an illegally parked vehicle. Adam was almost always assured that he would find a parking ticket on his windshield whenever he had had an off night. But since he still had Ohio license plates on his car, he figured he was basically immune from the tickets and just let them pile up. One day, Adam couldn't find his car. After a long and hysterical search for it, he finally went to the local precinct to report a stolen car only to be informed that it had been towed away to an impounding garage in the ominous Bed-Stuy section of Brooklyn. After a stiff penalty of over $300 and a frightening walk from the subway station to the garage, Adam had retrieved his beloved car. Then came the hit-and-runs. In the space of two weeks, his car got hit twice. The second of these mysterious rammings had all but demolished the rear quarter panel and the wheelbase of this virtual Dodgem car. Adam nevertheless continued to keep his car in New York, thinking that surely his luck would change. And it did change, from bad to worse. The last straw occurred just three weeks after the last hit and run. Adam had just been to the deli down the street from his apartment when he noticed two suspicious characters lurking around his car parked further up on the street. As he began walking toward the car, they passed him and proceeded rather swiftly in the opposite direction. He reached the car and was almost certain of what he would find. Sure enough, both windows on the passenger side were broken out. The tape player was ripped out of the dash and lying amidst the shards of safety glass scattered all over the interior. The speakers were ripped out of the back seat. Fuming, Adam chased after the fleeing pair of vandals. Just as he had almost caught up with them, a police cruiser miraculously passed by. Adam managed to flag it down and point it in the direction of the fleeing kids. The cruiser quickly caught up with them and waited for Adam to arrive as the two officers detained them. Adam explained what had happened, and they proceeded to frisk them. All they found was a pair of stereo knobs that Adam confirmed were his. When asked if he wished to press charges, Adam took one of the officers aside and asked what the chances were for a conviction. About nil, the officer had replied. After all, he explained, no one had actually seen them break into his car. Adam told the officer to let him go, with more than a hint of despondence in his voice. Moments later, it had started to rain. As he hastily undertook the maddening chore of duct-taping plastic over the area where the windows used to be, Adam promptly decided he would drive the car back to Ohio and leave it with his parents. He had finally been broken down.
Now, as he drove along the Grand Central Parkway, en route to Laura's house in Bethpage, Adam was certain he had made the right decision in bringing his car back up to New York. He had nearly gone crazy being without it for the last six months, and getting to the band's gigs had been a terrific pain in the ass. Besides that, he had missed driving for the sheer enjoyment of it, as well as listening to his tape deck cranked up to the max. Yes, he decided to himself with a smile, he had definitely made the right move. Another nail in my heart by Squeeze was now blaring out of the back seat speakers. Adam sang along with the song, tapping his fingers against the steering wheel to the beat. These guys are great, he thought to himself. If the Beatles were still around, they would probably sound something like this. Such great hooks, such memorable melodies, and those harmonies, second only to Lennon and McCartney. At least there was one band keeping up the tradition of great rock and roll. He wondered how much longer they would last. He downshifted as he turned onto the exit ramp for the Long Island Expressway. Adam was ecstatic. He snatched a beer out of the cooler lying on the back seat and popped the tab. He had decided that rather than fussing around with mixing bourbon and coke in the car, the beer would be a better choice tonight. He took a big slug of the ice-cold Budweiser as he careened in and out of the heavy traffic on the expressway. Adam lit up a cigarette and recalled the first night he had ever laid eyes on Laura. The band had been playing a gig at a small pub in Queens. Laura had been sitting at a table in front of the stage with a friend of hers, whom Adam had met at a previous gig. When the set ended, Adam had joined the two at their table and started discussing music with Laura's companion. He was introduced to Laura and immediately taken in by her good looks and friendliness. She was obviously Italian, and Adam had always been attracted to Italian girls. Her hair was long and feathered back on the sides, perfectly accentuating her wide brown eyes and finely sculpted face. Her figure was slender and well-proportioned, but it was her beautiful eyes, which seemed to twinkle with mock innocence, that had captivated Adam the most. As the two talked, Adam couldn't keep his eyes off of her. Later, after a few drinks, Adam had asked Laura if she would be interested in seeing the band the next time they played. She told him that she would, very much, and Adam told her that he would give her a call once he knew when their next gig was, if she didn't mind giving him his telephone number. She obliged, and jotted it down, as well as her address, for some odd reason, on a matchbook cover. Adam spent the next two weeks waiting for the band to get booked again, just so he could call her up. During this time, he had found himself thinking about her more and more, wanting to see her again. Finally, the band was booked in the Great Gildersleeves on the Bowery in Manhattan, and Adam had his opportunity to call. But instead, he decided to write her. He wrote her a long letter, giving her the details of the upcoming gig, as well as more than subtly hinting that he would like to take her out in the meantime. Miraculously, just three days after he had posted the letter, her reply came back in the mail. She told him that she would love to go out with him, and to just give her a call. Jubilantly, Adam had called her that night. They had set the date for the following Tuesday. When Laura arrived at his apartment that Tuesday evening, Adam had been totally knocked out at how alluring she looked. He had tried to picture her in his mind ever since the night he had met her, but was disappointed that he had all but forgotten what she looked like. But then, as he stood there in the doorway of his apartment, it all came back to him like a tornado. She looked simply stunning, and as she walked before him down the hallway to the kitchen, he noted her flawless body and found himself excited at the prospect of what the night may bring. After fixing both of them a drink and putting on some music, Adam sat down across from her at the kitchen table and they proceeded to talk about anything and everything. 
Adam found it incredibly easy to talk to her, and Laura was an excellent listener. For the most part, she had seemed rather reluctant to say much about herself, and seemed content just listening to him. Adam eventually found himself telling her his life story as the night progressed, his life back in Ohio, and the frustrations and disappointments of his musical career. He related things to her that he had never before revealed to anybody since moving to New York, and Laura had listened intently to all he was saying. She seemed to understand his plight, and her eyes revealed the concern and compassion she felt for him. Adam found himself thoroughly relaxed and at ease in her company, and became aware of an ever-growing attachment to the attractive stranger sitting across the table from him. Later that night, after several drinks, Laura had asked Adam if he would mind if she lied down for a while. She said she felt dizzy and needed to rest for a few minutes. Adam led her into his bedroom, and she had immediately flopped down on the bed. After lighting a candle, he lied down beside her. In the flickering glow of the candlelight, he could see that her eyes were already closed. She was breathing deeply, and Adam assumed that she had passed out. As he lay on his side and gazed at her beautiful sleeping face, Adam felt a comfort and contentment he hadn't known in years. He felt as if he could lay that way forever with her. He kissed her gently on the lips, then closed his eyes. A moment later, he felt her fingers lightly touching his cheek. Adam opened his eyes to find that Laura was staring at him with a look of yearning. She slowly inched toward him, and her lips found his. They kissed long and hard as Adam pulled her warm and willing body against his. They undressed each other. Then they made love. Later, in the wee hours of the morning, Laura had gotten dressed and left while Adam slept. When he awoke and went into the kitchen, he saw a note written on a paper towel lying on the table. It read, Have to go home. Had a beautiful time. Please call me tomorrow. Love, Laura. Adam doused his cigarette and turned on the map light as he approached the exit for Beth Page, wondering what this night held in store for him. He had a feeling deep down inside that it was going to be some kind of turning point in his life. He knew that it could very well be the last time he would ever see Laura again, but he had always been an optimist, and right now didn't want to think beyond this point in time. All he wanted to do was be with her, to talk to her, and feel her close to him once again, like it had been before. Adam took a long slug of his beer and smiled to himself as he merged onto the exit ramp. Everything will be just fine, he thought. She loves me. She just doesn't realize it. Yet. <laughs>